Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from somewhere inside the labyrinthine manse of recently orphaned Bill Gates. <laughs> Where from the safety of the green darkness of a money closet, we are watching the master of the house drool, writhe, and yelp while bound to a crusty vellum gaming chair, holding on tightly knuckles white to a bulbous machine clasped around his waist that whirs and hums with activity before abruptly stopping his body with it. And from somewhere in the still silence, a woman's voice faintly speaks, come on, chief, take a girl for a ride. As Bill takes off his headset (laughs) and a single tear falls down his flushed cheek, passing through the outstretched hand of a life-size holographic clippy who is reminding him once more that it looks like he was filing for divorce. (laughs) (laughs) We're behind the paywall. Uh, Once again, almost the whole gang is here, but Cassidy's out in the world. Living our best. Yeah, enjoying the coast and, yeah, the bounty of America. (laughs) But um, I think we're going to talk about Texas of all places Mm -hmm. to start off. Oh, a little little Texas sucks treat? Yeah, Mm -hmm. some some election news. The taste, right? Yeah, Yeah, Texas just had an election with two interesting results uh, we're talking about. And so... The results are coming in over the weekend, uh, so these numbers might finalize a little differently. But in Austin, they had Proposition B, which was a vote to essentially recriminalize homelessness, uh, recriminalize camping, and recriminalize or reinstitute what are called sit-lie laws, uh, which hilariously get knocked down uh, via court. Uh, decision. Every time they get passed, they are inherently unconstitutional for whatever that's worth. But it takes years to work its way through the process, during which you arrest lots of homeless people. Uh, it passed, uh, I believe, fifty-two forty-eight, you know, narrowly. Uh, but it does represent kind of what we're seeing in cities all across the country, which is this uh, sort of uh, reactionary trend of. Uh, trying to retake city politics using homelessness as the major issue and essentially reconstitute uh, support for the police on the line of bashing the homeless. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, just another like way that Seattle is just ahead of the curve. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've had this massive homelessness problem in King County because of our skyrocketing cost of living here that now are, are really being replicated pretty much everywhere in America. Mm. I mean, it certainly wasn't only happening here. I mean, LA yeah. County's had insane homelessness problems also for a very long time. And there's been homelessness everywhere, but it's basically exploding all around the country now. And as bad as that is for, you know, for its own sake and as, as bleak a like indicator of the economy as that is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, what does that mean for like the right as what you're saying is like even in places like this was Austin, right? Or San Antonio? Austin. Austin, Austin right? So like liberal big city capital. Yeah, uh, liberal big city capital, home of Alex Jones, Ron Paul. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, but yes, I think in the certainly popular imagination, it is liberal in the way that we would say Seattle is. Liberal. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. A co- cosmopolitan yeah. city, 
it's de- Democrat run. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like all cities, no matter what fucking red mm. shithole state you're in, the cities are basically run by Democrats. Uh, probably cities. a lot of in this house we believe signs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, a yeah. uh, million dollar Austin, houses. famously weird. <laughs> Yo. <God>. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. And, 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 oh, and but that, but that, you know, but this, uh, as much as we might want to imagine, like, sit around thinking uh, as, uh, you know, on the left here that, boy, you know, as conditions worsen, you know, that's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, that's gonna create conditions that, uh, you know, are positive for the left. But at least in, in you can see a definite, like, something that can be extrapolated probably to our our national politics as a whole is there is there is a toolkit for reactionaries there is a toolkit for the mm-hmm. right there is a basic sort of program uh where you can use like de- declension uh ev- evident mm-hmm. economic decline around you uh to to yeah to sell right wing reactionary politics and i mean like that's Look, it's as simple as saying, look, we're being overrun by these filthy homeless people and we need a police state and, uh, you know, laws for excluding these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to add more tools to the toolkit to deal with the homeless problem. Just turns out all those tools will be wielded by police officers, meaning you have to fund the police department. Austin is similar to Seattle in a a different or in a different but similar way in that uh, it's also been flooded with tech money. Its real estate has now been largely financialized, where it's been turned into assets and stuff like that, creating a awful real estate bubble. Not quite as bad as Seattle's, but getting there, there. Yeah, like I mean, lots took, of places in America. It took, took a while to happen in Seattle. Yep. I mean, they, you know, international and mm-hmm. and American excess wealth started targeting Seattle, you know, in the early two thousands. But that's mm-hmm. only after they had. Uh, bought up all of already bought up all of uh, Vancouver and San Francisco, mm-hmm, you know, and right. before that, London and New York in the nineties, and yeah. like you know, like now it's just every now there's too many now there's so many more billionaires, you know, they've got to put their money somewhere, and this is a model you find yep. like a a city that has uh like a plot a plausible pitch and uh. Blow yeah. up the market. Yeah, usually you look for some sort of tech connection to the city, and then you just start buying up real estate, right? And uh, we're seeing this also in Denver. We're seeing this in Boulder. We're seeing this, I mean, hilariously, Absurd we're seeing this in Pittsburgh. To, 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 to yeah. inflate real Pittsburgh. estate. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, in, in Austin, just like in Seattle. Philadelphia, too. Philadelphia, yeah. yeah. And in Austin, just like Seattle and in all these cities, mm. you can see a concurrent rise in homelessness with the rise in rents and housing and things like that. A real mystery as to how these things happen, right? It's and the drugs. Must be the drugs. <laughs> and it's it, a mental health issue. Uh, and as we reported, we're the, still hearing from fucking mayor, mayoral candidates in this fucking town. Yeah, and as we reported in the past, uh, Austin PD, along with uh, conservative of uh, city candidates in Austin had even done special showings of Seattle is dying as part of their yeah that's right campaign. wow so uh, a don't sort become of, the next Seattle yeah and a kind of a related story in Plano so Texas. Wait, what does that look like in Texas because mm-hmm. here politically just in this very narrow like level that I almost don't care about in some mm-hmm. ways like we're run you know historically it's it's you know totally top to bottom Democrats in Seattle and King mm-hmm. County. Um, 
I know Democrats run Austin. Is this is this a push used? Is this so different that you still you can't sell a Republican there, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be hard to run in the city of Austin. So, so you would run as just a you know a yeah. conservative Democrat. You yeah. would say you're a progressive, um, yeah. you know, for whatever that means, just like here. And in a lot of city politics in Texas, the trend, just like here, is that you would not publicly claim any sort of party affiliation. Although, right. yeah. it would not be hard to figure out what these people's party affiliation is. But in all ways, it really doesn't matter because if you are on the Austin City Council or anything like that, your main uh, client is real estate interests, just like yeah. in Seattle, yeah. right? And uh, the Chamber of Commerce and whatnot. And that's why the obsession with homelessness has always been centered around 6th Street, which is the tourist drag in Austin, and has always been centered around these developing neighborhoods. So Austin, like most cities, had a suburban boom. Now all that money is coming back in, which means that areas are being gentrified. And part of the gentrification process is to single out certain bad neighborhoods for extra policing, which means cleaning people up so that you can bring the condos in and jack up the prices. Just, right? just zapping that bum into a mailbox. Yeah. And I mean, an interesting story that is sort of connected to that happened in the Plano elections where uh, absolute crackpot Lily Bow uh, was running. And Plano is a suburb of Dallas, uh, I would say the literal worst suburb in all of America. If you want to imagine, <laughs> that's well, a I mean, it, high bar. Yeah. Already we're talking about the worst big city in America, in all, oh, Dallas. Yes. yes like absolutely the, the absolute like anus of America. A few people know <laughs> that uh, JFK actually shot himself to get out of Dallas. <laughs> like, few people know that. Like, Dallas, uh, one of the dark, the darkest energies. Mm -hmm. I've, I, I've been to every major city in the West of America. The darkest energy I've ever felt of just like an entire metropolitan area. Truly grim. Yeah. Maybe one of like half a dozen cities in America that I just flat out would never live in no matter what the circumstances. Um, oh, yeah, you couldn't pay me to go well, back there. Yeah. And so Plano is everything you would imagine, or at least always wow, was everything I mean, you like, would imagine of Jesus. a suburb. As bad as the Sol cities are, the suburbs there are yeah. hellish. Like Completely soulless. Uh, Plano is just one Olive Garden followed by a Lowe's, followed by another Olive Garden, followed by a all on All no doubt on like f these freeway feeder roads. Yeah. So they have like freeways, but then like along every freeway, like all... They don't have like there's no access roads. Yeah, access right. roads on both sides of the freeway. You just have a road running along the freeway that is the what <laughs> there is no main drag. It's because the main drag is like the actual freeway. And then you have like all the businesses. So basically, the addresses might as well be the freeway exits. <laughs> just think about living like that. And there's no sidewalks. Like there's no you couldn't you can't walk between the tire store and the other tire store yeah. and the Wendy's. You know, well, one block is approximately a mile long. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a hard yeah, yeah. walk. If there's, you do so it. there's three tire stores on any yeah. because you're driving everywhere. Swear to God, I've never seen so many fucking tire places in my life. <laughs> three to a block on, on these these access roads going through the suburbs of Dallas. Well, I'm just just demonic fucking energy. Ugliest skyline. In the world, uh, it's like a, it's just like a shit, like flattened out on the desert, mm -hmm. but like with these spikes, like sticking up, like every city in America has like now or in the world now, like 
that pretends to like has international pretensions, like has some version of the space needle and they're, mm. they all are bad. None yeah, of them yeah. are good. They all suck. Um, you know, Toronto has one, Vegas has one, you know, but cities all over the world. Absolute worst is Dallas, which is these just three. It's short. It's just these three concrete pylons mm -hmm. with a giant steel, uh, s sphere atop <laughs> it with like a block building inside of it. And the sphere is like covered in light. So that it lights up like a ball in the night sky. Um, it's absolutely dystopian. Yeah. It, and I can say that uh, it might sound like just people in Seattle hating on some city in Texas. I can assure you as a Texan, everybody in Texas hates Dallas too. <laughs> like it is a hellhole. But Plano, interestingly, was one of these suburbs that was built out in the 70s and 80s. And it was where people, it was where white flight fled to that prided itself on being this upper middle class white suburb. And it has seen this interesting effect. It's the reverse effect of what we're seeing in Austin, which is as it gets more expensive to live in Dallas, the, you know, you know, more working class, less white, ding, ding, ding population has moved out to Plano. And it's had a huge shift. For, I think it was a city that was like originally something like 80% white and is now only like 60% white. Mm. <laughs> Terrifying um, for the residents, no doubt. And so they had an entire campaign where this person sort of out of nowhere, Lily Bao, who, uh, shock of all shocks, uh, a real estate agent, <laughs> um, basically ran on a Make Plano Great Again campaign. And this goes to, again, the strange politics of cities where everybody in this is an avowed Republican. She uh, got the endorsement of Greg Abbott, our absolutely awful fucking governor. And um, but, you know, obviously was attaching herself to Donald Trump, uh, the front runner who essentially was running as actually hilariously the chamber of commerce you know pick for mayor uh is also a republican although he said he disavows you know uh labels and city elections mm. but is a republican <laughs> as well but the thing is is he's trying to just bring in uh apartments and some sort of business or whatever because that's all you can get in plano anymore right like the money's moving to dallas right and so they're getting what they can and they were having this sort of fight over what was and what is, right, when it comes to urban development in America. And Lily Bow did lose the race, but, uh, you know, got a lot bigger percentage of the vote than I think people were guessing from a sort of outsider uh, candidacy. But, you know, you see that effect, right, where this, exactly what we see around Seattle, the suburbs are getting poor, the city is getting richer, and it is creating a delirium in the American brain, which always lives 40 years in the past from where it yeah. actually is in the present. Yeah. And, um, you know, we see that. Now, in San Antonio, they had a Prop B of their own, which is also attached to all this stuff and is really interesting, which is they wanted to essentially make it to where the city was not allowed to negotiate with the police union when it came to police contracts with the city, right? Citing that the police union was a source of corruption, you know, a lack of accountability, etc. That seems, you know, crazy, right? In Texas, of all places, <laughs> they were going to make it to where the city, by law, was not even allowed to talk to the police union in any sort of negotiation. And it lost, but it lost 51-49, 
Damn. Which is crazy close. Now, before we all get excited and we all move to San Antonio, I hate to rain on the parade a little bit. Okay. But the way they were going to do this, and I fully believe that everybody doing this had the best of intentions. But the way they were going to do this was to change language in the city charter that basically said that the city didn't have to recognize any unions. Oh, my oh no. What? <laughs> Which, as much as I would love to cut the police union out of everything, I do think that ultimately would be a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. so, but, you know, we talked earlier off mic about how Sometimes, you know, you lose battles. Sometimes battles are should have been fought, you know, maybe seem bad in the first place or whatever. It is still astonishing to me that they got 49% of the city that voted, which is still like not a huge portion. Oh, wait, so this was this wasn't like the state sen- or I guess um the city council like this was like No, this is a this actual is an actual election. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. That they That's pr- shocking. Yeah, that they were able to almost push this through. And I can tell you from following the media in San Antonio they were not talking about this as like, a, hey, guys, this is a secret way to keep unions out. It was all focused around, fuck the police. How do we cut them out? The mm. police union's bad. They're a source of evil in the city. How do we cut them out? And they got almost half the fucking wow, city here, wow. you know, which is is truly incredible. And, uh, you know, I, it was just such a weird weekend of results in Texas. I, I just had to had to bring them in. Yeah. Well, thanks for that Texas sucks update. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Um, so we're going to move on to more rosy news here, which is basically just all of the pharmacy drama around uh, COVID vaccination. <laughs> A forever positive sunny topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brian, you found this article, I believe, which is... A little bit old now, but the headline is COVID-19 vaccinations are pushing pharmacists to a breaking point by Brian Menegas. And this was in Vice under the motherboard uh, brand, I guess. A memo circulating among Walgreens employees is calling for mass walkouts. Pharmacists at other chains say they're overworked and stressed too. Uh, so we're not going to read this whole thing, but um, we have some passages here. So I'm just going to start reading. For the past two months, retail pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid have become the tip of the spear for the COVID-19 vaccination effort in the U.S. Widely available vaccinations at pharmacies have been one of the key reasons America's pandemic outlook has gotten better. But many pharmacy staff feel they've been frog-marched to the front lines of the pandemic without receiving appropriate resources to do vaccines as well as prescription filling. Meanwhile, their companies are enjoying the financial windfall of their labor. This was supposed to be a dedicated staff. Sorry, there was supposed to be a dedicated staff in place that never materialized. A Walgreens pharmacy manager in the greater Atlanta area said, my pharmacy is open 10 hours a day. We fill about 350 prescriptions a day, trying to make 40 phone calls and then we have 60 COVID shot appointments every day. You can't do it all. Yeah, and I I think that this is sort of getting at what has been true of the U.S. COVID response across the board, which is this idea of even when you 
base your entire response around something like, oh, we'll get a vaccine, so don't worry about anything until then. There's been literally zero preparation. It's not like these pharmacies didn't know they were going to be playing some sort of part. They were told to staff up and literally just chose not to. Yeah, well, I mean, this must have been clear they were going to get away with it. Yep. No. I mean... Look, this is this is just a clear sort of choice for a labor operation for them. They were able to look ahead and see they're going to just be able to shift this. They looked at how, what had been done previously throughout this whole thing with all of our healthcare system, with all healthcare workers who were just treated like absolute shit, just told like, yep, well, yeah, there's no preparation. There's no uh, stockpile of equipment. There's no extra capacity in our healthcare system. There's, you know, a, a ludicrously small number of beds in this country. We just have, there's no, there's not enough people trained doing your jobs. There's, you work at for-profit hospitals who, you know, are ready to work you to death. Uh, that's fine. That's just going to And we're just going to demand that you do it as a society because, you have to, because otherwise these people, your patients will die. And I mean, if you're CVS, you're looking at that going like, yeah, I guess we could double our pharmacy staff to take on this whole new thing. But why, when you can just, we can just double the productivity of our workers <laughs> and not pay them anymore. Like that's all they've done here. They've added a shit ton of more work and a shit ton of more profit because of that. Mm -hmm. And they haven't uh, expanded their workforce. And so they've just, increased worker productivity enormously for this incredible windfall. Aren't they also given basically a mandate to do vaccine rollout by the Trump administration? Oh, they were given more than a mandate, but we'll find out. Okay. The sentiment was echoed by several pharmacy workers at a variety of retail chains, all of whom recognize they're integral to the pandemic response, but say they have not been resourced by their companies in a way that makes the work sustainable. Within an industry already stretched past the breaking point, the additional burden of administering COVID vaccines simply wasn't accounted for at many stores. I get emails almost weekly saying, hey, you're over in hours and you have to cut, one CVS pharmacy manager near Boston said. We actually have 40 to 50 hours less compared to this time last year. Yeah, and so like to be clear, what they're talking about, right, is if you're the manager of a store, you're allotted a certain amount of hours per week, right? Which is basically, you're, you know, you might get 400 hours to split amongst 10 employees, meaning that they have 40 hours a week, right? Or however you choose to allot them uh, with overtime hours taking up a bigger chunk and all that kind of shit. And basically they're saying from last year when they weren't doing COVID vaccines, they've actually reduced that hour allotment per store. <laughs> basically saying like, not only are we not going to staff up, Actually, um, you're going to be staffed down during this entire thing. Yeah, and with no slacking of demand. Instead, like mm -hmm. a massive increase yep. in demand. So it's not like a, uh, you know, it's not a job where you can just do, you know, you do the, the amount of work you do in an hour that you do, right? No, there's customers coming in and mm -hmm. you need, just you they're serving them in these ways that are essential for the survival of you know uh these people and in, in the case of the vaccine and and in really all their medications that they give out so they've just they've just doubled worker productivity mm -hmm. it's it's uh diabolical yeah speed up tails a little time operation warp speed 
<laughs> an, an email sent from an address calling itself WAG Justice, and then there's a note saying that Walgreens stock ticker is WAG, to all Walgreens districts summarizes the situation neatly and called for workers to consider walking off the job. The email is currently circulating among Walgreens employees. Fellow Walgreens retail employees, corporate cannot continue to treat us this way. This is not about the level of good we are providing to the public by processing an absurd amount of COVID tests and vaccines seven days a week. Jesus, they're doing tests too. Mm -hmm. This is about the greed and profit the company is trying to secure during the pandemic, especially the $40 per shot administration fee they are pocketing. None of us deserve to be feeling anxious and physically sick by just thinking about going into work the next day. Many of our fellow competitors, Kroger, CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, administer under 50 vaccines a day and are provided the necessary support to handle the demands. What are we given? Know your worth and know your priorities because clearly this company does not give one damn about the well-being of any of us. Maybe once the pharmacy staff begins walking out one by one and there are no bodies to fill these demands, they will begin to understand. Well, I think we've learned from fast food. They'll just put a sign up that says uh, nobody wants to work in America. <laughs> no, one, uh, no one wants to vaccinate you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the key thing in there is the state, the federal government, has agreed to give these companies $40 for every vaccine they administer. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, especially when you stack it all up, right? And the thing is, is that they, ba- and that's actually not the end of the money they gave them, but the thing is, is that uh, their response to this is, let's cut staff, right? If we're getting a bunch of free money, let's cut staff because... That free money, that represents one element of profit, right? Yep. But if we cut staff in hours, look at the profit grow. Yeah, the surplus widens well, a lot. Well, they're looking at, I mean, you know, if you were doing this in some kind of, you know, uh, rational human-based uh, way, like, <laughs> you would have more staff. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on some level, they must have had the decision, man, like, you know what? We could just keep our staffing levels the same. Mm-hmm. This will come along. They'll have to do it. Yep. They'll be, you know, the, they won't have any way out of doing it. We'll be in this emergency. Rather than giving those that $40 a shot away to some, uh, some employees working more hours, we could just pocket it all. And it'll just skyrocket our worker productivity. And someone else at the table was like, wait. So we're going to shoot our worker productivity way up, really overwork our workers during this pandemic to rake in more money. And it was like, yeah. I was like, well, if we're going to do that, why not kick it up yet another 10% (laughs) by actually dropping the hours? Like if we're already going to like have like, you know, hellish conditions for these Mm -hmm. people where they're, you know, fall, you know, just rushing around. Like what's another ten percent, right? Yeah, yeah. Like in the in our ability to get away with this. When the dials at nine kick it to ten, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think too, there was another key bit in there that was mentioned in that letter, which is, you know, uh, they talk about like, oh, you know, the company's selling this to us. Look, you're helping people, and this is how the company saw it was like, cut their hours, pocket the money, and if they complain, tell them. You guys are heroes out there saving lives. Do you yeah, not want to save get this, lives? This idea, I wonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you not want to save lives? I mean, this is no matter what your job is, you get fed this shit at some point, right? Yep. If you're a teacher, it's like, don't you care about the kids? You know, if you're a nurse, don't you care about the patients, right? 
And apparently if you're a pharmacist, yeah, work yourself to death. Don't you want to save lives in this pandemic? Yeah, this is beyond you. Yeah. This is, <laughs> stop being selfish. Start being selfless. This is beyond you. This is about the market. Yeah. <laughs> this is about our EPS estimates from analysts. <laughs> this is beyond you. Have you seen our quarterly estimates? Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty sky high. We got to beat that. <laughs> Retail pharmacy as an industry has been con contracting and consolidating for years. Salaries are stagnant, staff have been slashed, and job scopes have expanded to include additional duties. The system works. NB NBC reported last month, some of these, like hawking customer loyalty memberships, bear no direct relation to patient care, staffers noted. The Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts a 3% loss in pharmacist jobs by 2029, with the bulk of disappearing positions coming from retail settings. Even losing pharmacists in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, while the while the pharmacy's gaining work and, you know, at the same time, too. Right. I mean, we see this this process under capitalism, right, of expansion followed by consolidation, consolidation, monopolization and speed up. Right. Even before pharmacy workers began to do both covid testing and vaccinations, whistleblowers in the industry said that a work culture valuing valuing metrics over care quality was leading to sometimes deadly mistakes. Wait, metrics over quality of care in America? Whoa. <laughs> in the American health system? <laughs> to some extent, staffing cuts and bigger workloads are the symptoms of a sector with historically terrible margins. Vaccinations offer pharmacies both an additional revenue stream as well as a marketing opportunity. They go a long way toward branding the pharmacy as a destination <laughs> for health and wellness, more broadly speaking. The COVID-19 vaccine is not just free for the person receiving it. Doses of the vaccine are provided to members of the federal retail pharmacy program at no cost. So you could say, well, the federal government's paying them $40 to administer each vaccine. But that's just because the patient isn't paying and the pharmacy has to recoup their cost, right? Oh, wait, they get the vaccine for free, too. <laughs> <laughs> Early on in the vaccine rollout, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, reimbursed about $20 per shot. The agency increased that to $40 midway through last month to respond quickly to new information during the COVID-19 public health emergency. While a representative for Rite Aid noted that incurred costs in administration of the vaccine include extra labor, supplies, and marketing, the margins for high-demand products supplied by the government at no cost to retail partners are comparatively astronomical <laughs> and bolster the financials of companies that, despite the wider recession, have, in many cases, beaten investor expectations even as non-pharmacy sales plummeted. So this is a windfall. Yeah. yeah. That's what it comes down to. And I like the, well, it requires staffing up. We've just learned from the, the bulk of this article. That didn't happen. So just pure, pure profit, pure windfall. Any reimbursement we get, whether it's insurance or government reimbursement, the Atlanta Walgreens manager said, it's all pure profit for them because they're not allocating any extra labor to do it. They're just having us do it within our normal workday. A CVS manager claimed they were told to avoid scheduling pharmacists as immunizers likely to save on labor costs. On average, pharmacists who go through four or more years of higher education earn around $60 an hour, techs make closer to 17 So now we get to the uh, the other like stool leg of this whole thing, which is they did mention that they've been losing pharmacists. 
pharmacists are the highest paid people in that office, right? They take four years of school and everything like that. But farm techs can do all the same things, including giving out the vaccine and all this kind of stuff. And you only got to pay them 16 bucks an hour. And yeah. so and I, I, that, yeah, I think it's like in most states, it's like uh, as long as there's a pharmacist around a licensed mm-hmm. trained pharmacist to supervise, you know, uh, you can have a basically, you know, low wage worker actually uh, do uh pharmacy work Mm -hmm. yeah and you know some of the things that were you know cut out of this is that because when we talk about supervision i mean because of the rush and things like that people have gotten wrong pills in their prescription of course things like not enough pills and stuff like that which is not a life threatening match vaccines (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) mismatch vaccines uh yeah i mean you know Shorting people on pills in their uh, prescription, too. I mean, it won't kill them, but it means that they're going to have to go pay, you know, to get the prescription again, which, you know, of course, pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are famously cheap. Um, you know, it creates all sorts of problems. And again, you know, there was just an article that came out today that I think Colin had posted about the, like, sheer number in the hundreds of thousands of vaccines that were just wasted by, I think, CVS and Walgreens specifically. Yeah, and it... I think it sort of underscores the fact that they didn't prepare in any meaningful way for COVID rollout mm. because it, it mentioned it was in the early phase of the rollout and that most of those lost doses were the Pfizer vaccine, which required the extreme refrigeration. Um, Ridiculous but, product. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, as we just heard, I, these companies had a lot of time to prepare for these things mm-hmm. and just kind of decided it's just diabolical not yeah, to let's yeah. just not I mean, do it's it it's genius it's, sim- it's so simple mm-hmm. this and any any preparation you do you just that's just money it's just yeah. like yeah f- sit and find out i'm going to pay you to find out how we need to prepare there's money what's the answer going to be to that question money right yeah. no. so if we just don't do it mm-hmm. There will clearly be no consequences because this is America. We'll still get the money for doing the business. Mm-hmm. Everyone will just scramble, which is just every America's entire response to this entire thing on every level, government and business is just scramble at the last minute. Just yeah. figure it out. Yep. And and it, that gets pushed down to the worker, mm-hmm. you know, to just fucking ad hoc make it happen. Oh, fuck. We just got a, a weird fucking sub-zero refrigerator full of... Uh, vaccines. Uh, okay, I guess I'll yeah. just do it. What I'm sure was already like a packed work day. I'll just also, yeah, give out these vaccines to people and make appointments for them. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it it literally highlights all the most evil aspects of the American healthcare system. It also highlights uh, all the dumbest elements of say like American libertarianism and loving of the market and things like that which is they responded exactly as how you should in this market which is like you're saying do nothing don't prepare ahead of time they're going to have to pay you anyways and then once the deluge comes down fuck it cut back more right because now the money's really coming in they had if you really thought about it if you did the cold math on this they did everything right. You have every incentive to cut hours, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting all this free money. 
You have every incentive to cut hours. You have every incentive to just make your workers work harder and all this kind of stuff. And what are they going to fucking do? You know, quit, right? They still got to pay rent. You know, luckily for you, uh, no state in the country passed a moratorium that actually, ab- you know, advocated the rent. Right. So they like they all still owe rent. It's all backing yeah, but, up. Yeah, I mean, that is you know? that is it. Right. That like you don't even need the sort of diabolical plan that mm-hmm. I envisioned of like now's the perfect like political cover to cut hours because it's going to be so chaotic in there anyway. Like who will even notice the difference? But it's just a simple labor labor market. Like, mm-hmm. like everyone's getting unemployed. Great. We like we can overwork. We can increase productivity, and they'll mm-hmm. have to keep their fucking jobs. Yeah. So tune it, dial it up. Yes, we have the natural. Uh, we have the exogenous thing happening, like coming in, affecting that productivity. This increase in demand coming into our system that helps us do that, but. But our hands on the dial, like mm-hmm. we're just adjusting productivity level to fit uh, how shitty the fucking labor market is. Yeah, and I mean, there was this book that came out uh, a few years ago about the political economy of like the slave South, and the guy talks about like the lash system or the whip system, and he says like, look, this is how like innovation actually worked under slavery, which is you would just beat the slaves more and more mercilessly for not picking enough cotton. And eventually they'll just figure out how to pick more cotton. And what the guy comes to the conclusion at the end, he's like, they fucking did is like the levels of productivity in those fields weren't met again until the 1930s with mechanization, like the, the deterioration, like the immediate drop in productivity. And it's like, that's what fucking speed up is. That's what innovation actually is under capitalism. In a Workers le- scrambling to make yeah, it work. To make it yeah. work, which is yeah. you cut their fucking hours and you make them figure it out, right? Yeah. And they will because they're the ones who actually do the fucking job, but it's diabolical. I mean, to give you know a less depressing you know, sort of comparison. It's that shit in the Simpsons or whatever, where he's like, you know, because or Homer's like, you know, I'm so bad at my job. Everybody has to work a lot harder around me. Right. You know, like <laughs> it's that, but that, that's, that's literally capitalism. It's like starve the worker, like you know, cut their hours, give them more work to do in less time. And don't worry, they'll figure it out. And once they figure it out, you know what? That's the norm now. That's what I expect right. every fucking time. And in fact, I'm going to cut your hours more and give you more work. And I'm going to see if you can figure that out. If you figure that out, that's the norm now too, right? And that's going to be the, for all these farm techs and stuff. Don't expect to ever get fucking staffed up again. If you don't walk off the job, this is your life now forever. Well, know? the difference uh, may be like just different labor market pressure. Like it's going to come down to that. Yeah. And I mean – you know, yeah. Unless unless a different capitalist trying to fuck workers somewhere else is able to pull your workforce, and then you have to try and pull them back, right? Mm-hmm. Unless there is an intercapitalist struggle, right? Yeah. You know, if you're not organized as labor, that is what you have to rely on. Yep. Is that two capitalists will Are fight fighting over. and you'll somehow yeah. come out, you know, a little bit mildly ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not ahead of them, just ahead no, of no, you, no. you six months earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Delightful. So. Well, so we've, you know, I mean, at least uh, one of our listeners is a pharmacist and was telling us, like, before these articles came out, mm-hmm. like, that this was just going to be and was an absolute nightmare. Uh, exactly these things described, like, this re- insane work speed up. Um, 
just sounds hellish, and I'm sure it's literally everywhere in the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they have been prepping us for a couple of months about how bad this was going to turn out, and then uh, once the vaccine distribution kind of went wide, uh, they then informed us that it was as bad as they thought it would be, if not worse. And uh, it's yeah, it's no good. Yeah, it's disappointing too because, like everything else in America, all of that labor is so abstracted to you as the person getting the vaccine. So, you, without reading this article or being tuned into anything, you're just completely removed from that reality and mm-hmm. are free to assume that everything worked fine. Yeah. Well, and also, you're free to. Sit, you know, make an appointment at CVS as I did, then wait in line and have your appointment run late as everything does. I, I always laugh when people are like, oh, oh, you want the Canadian healthcare system to wait in line? I've never not waited in line yeah. for healthcare my fucking yeah. life. Hey. But as things run late or whatever, you sit there and, you know, if you are not tuned into labor or whatever, right, you're probably sitting in the line going, the fuck is with these assholes at CVS, right? Calling yep. me in here at 10 a.m. and it's 11 a.m. and they fucking don't got my shot ready. And so it builds in this thing where the consumer has this built-in antagonism with the worker as well, right? Because well, they don't have class consciousness. Yep. Well, is that or like w- retail workers at every level have been so tra- – it's so ingrained mm-hmm. that they have to put on a fucking – front like a face like mm-hmm. everything's going well if something is running behind they're apologizing yep. every you know and this papers over in retail spaces a lot of the like hell that retail workers are going through at their jobs like you the customer are never allowed to see that you're never yep. generally allowed now that this may be breaking that i don't know i haven't been into a, a pharmacy in a long time but like maybe this is breaking that down. But generally speaking, like even when working conditions are shit for retail workers, they're supposed they're like it is absolutely a cultural necessity to maintain a job that you keep a smiling mm-hmm. face, that you're deferential, yeah. that like you're apologizing, you're making like plausible excuses um, and papering over all this stuff. The flip side of this, though, is that I got my vaccine, uh, my Pfizer shot from the city at mm-hmm. uh, Lumen Field Event Center, and they were doing it fucking right. I mean, I was genuinely impressed because as much as like it's like clear that cor- these corporations were going to like you know make a miserable mockery of this, like you know you, you don't really expect much more from government in America, unfortunately today. And the city um, has made the choice. Uh, to you know actually do it right and this was impressive because so first of all massive facility i don't know what the other facilities are are like the west seattle and the like rainier i think um Mm -hmm. one but i think they're they're smaller i mean there's very little that's bigger than the uh event center but uh there was no line like they specifically tell you, do not show up early. That'll just mean waiting in line. Just mm-hmm. show up at your time. <laughs> you go in. It's like a walk. Like the biggest thing of it was walking from the parking garage to outside around the building, around the event center to where you enter. And you're just at every turn, every possible point that you had to go. There were two people at least telling you where to go. And the closer you got to the center, there were 
more and more people at every possible divergence, the line would split into more and more um, uh, stanchioned sort of line, like mm-hmm. lines with a person telling you, oh, you come this way or doing the first part of your check in on an iPad. What's your name? Well, great. Keep walking. I'm not spending any more time with you. You'll maybe talk to another person down, you know, talk to maybe two people total. I mean, the person who gives you the shot or no, I sat down at a table. Someone gave me the the spiel and a person came over who was bouncing around and gave me a shot. The whole thing took as long as it took for me to walk from the parking garage to the place that my arm was stuck because they staffed the living shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. There are so yeah. many fucking people. As you might you, do in an emergency. As you might fucking do in an emergency. Uh so they're not they're not fucking that up. And it's just like it's so it's so simple. It mm-hmm. that's it. It's but it's it was so it was shocking to me to see because what you see from from corporate entities and from government in America is uh shambles usually i mean i expected to see a lot of like signs that no one would read pointing you where to go people bouncing around mm-hmm. sort of chaos and a few scrambling people like directing large you having to raise their voice like telling okay if you're this go I'm over here or doing something or like someone like exasperated no these everyone there completely chilled because they each had one very tiny tiny little task to do um in directing people uh, and it was very impressive. And it, so it can be done. It's not hard to pull this shit off. None of this yeah. is hard. This yeah. is all being fucked up because uh, of how our system works. Yeah. And it should be noted in that that same article that talked about the various private pharmacies basically just throwing away <laughs> like 200,000 vaccines. Uh, they did- I mean, we talked about that. It's the possibility of like yeah. the hospitals uh doing that and mm-hmm. determined that mostly they, they probably weren't gonna let that happen. And largely I think they didn't. And at least in Washington State, like there was talk about that maybe happening because of the way they were being scheduled or like, oof, we might be coming up on some of these with these ridiculously short life shelf shelf lives. And I think largely they just did what they had to do and got people in. And now come to find that the other half of the rollout, the private pharmacy mm-hmm. rollout, they were just dumping them. So the thing that turned out to be true in this case, which is, you know, would be surprising for anybody who uh, is an American, but not to anybody else on the fucking planet, was that the private vaccination rollout involved infinitely more waste than the public vaccination rollout. Yeah, go figure. Mm. What a fucking shock. Uh, But again... Anybody, like your average American, that would be the most surprising thing they've ever heard. And they'd be like, well, this one time that was the case. You know? No, but, but they'd also say, well, yeah. like, look at all the waste. Look, look, yeah. the corporations are getting it done efficiently by uh, increasing worker productivity. Whereas the city <laughs> yeah. is just throwing away money on these lazy public mm-hmm. sector employees who are just standing around directing people where to go. Yeah. Fucking cake is job in the world. Well, and when you showed up, there was not even any lines, so they're not even busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. We should probably say that as of, I believe today, you can just show up at Lumen Field Event Center, Rainier Beach or West nice. Seattle 
municipal vaccination locations and there's no appointment needed for first. get another vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a second dose. I'm going to go back in two weeks for my second dose. Yeah. You know. So if you're listening and you have not been able to do that, just go check that out. I th- You might have to be a King County resident. I don't remember. There may be some trash I, like that, but... I don't know if they don't, ask you any I don't questions. think anyone's okay. doing that at oh. this point. They have more capacity than people right. are scheduling appointments. I'm yeah, sure no. people are still scheduling a lot of appointments, but... May hopefully this is a good sign, and it's because they have so much capacity mm-hmm. that they just don't need to do appointments like fully anymore at the rate yeah. that people are like able to get in at the number of people who have left. But it'd be really interesting to see like you know how long this goes on and how many people just sit it out. Well, again, I think because there was no planning prior to the rollout, I think a lot of people remain confused about whether or not they're even eligible to go and stuff like that. And so just telling right. them, like, hey, just go. Everybody, everybody, it's open for everybody. Now, I will say that I don't think they ask you anything about where you live because I got mine in fucking Moses Lake and they didn't ask me anything. But uh, they do ask for your insurance and you should never under any circumstances give them your fucking insurance information, especially if you're at a private fucking thing. All right. The only reason you'd ever hand over your insurance is so they can fuck you later. So the proper response to that is I don't have any insurance. All right. Yep. Wal- Walgreens stock is up uh, 36% on the year right now. <laughs> Good Hell Lord. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. And, I mean, it is interesting. They mentioned it in the article, but it's worth pointing out again. Their retail stock, which was a huge part of their money, because where a lot of their higher margins are is selling fucking candy and soda and shit, <laughs> yeah. you know, on your way to buy fucking your diabetes medicine or whatever. But like that retail s- sales have to be way fucking down. Yeah. Like oh, I mean, yeah. there's no way that shit didn't just fucking tank. Yeah. And so that means they're that's the level of the windfall here. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Look, they're gonna be among the princelings. Like. Yeah. Who rule the world like the minor? They'll be minor ones. Who the dukes under the fucking Pfizer and Moderna kings? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for the time being, the kings will remain mm-hmm. uh, the the state, really. Mm-hmm. But the 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 mine the barons and baronets will be these fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, CVS investors, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, owners of pedophile islands will still be at the top, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so. The last story that we're going to talk about today is the Pagliacci class action suit, which is a good thing for the people involved in it because they won um, and received some money. Uh, But we're going to learn about that now as I read this article that, oh yeah, it was from Eater. Pagliacci Pizza to pay out nearly $4 million to former and current delivery drivers in class action lawsuit. Pagliacci, uh, Seattle's, uh, I guess, probably by far biggest pizza chain, right? Oh, yeah. I'd like to say. Yeah, Yeah, that's not pizza. Like the biggest local chain. Yeah, by sure. Yeah, like it beats out Zeke's probably. yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like there's so many of those now. There's probably more of those than any one of the national chains. It's certainly yeah. competitive. In Seattle, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's certainly yeah, competitive, sure. I think. Yeah, yeah. in, in yeah. the city of Seattle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When in the, you in the, the city suburbs, limits, yeah. you're overwhelmed by Domino's no, that, and Little Caesars. In the suburbs, right. it's just all that bullshit Papa Murphy's where your pizza's all oh raw God. and shit. And Don't you, even fucking <laughs> yeah. get started on <laughs> Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's, dude. Ma- oh, imagine God. being su- such a dumb suburban fucking po- <laughs> po- brain poison fucking freak that you were 
impressed by the gimmick of take and bake pizza. <laughs> like, I love pizza. Pe- America has been going through this, you know, 20 years of incredible, like, pizza freakery. Just, like, go, falling in love with the only food they ever want to eat. Because it's great. It comes to you greasy and hot from the, can get it delivered to your house. Or, get this, there's a new kind of pizza in town. <laughs> they make it, you bake it. Yeah, so once once you get it, fucking grift. Once it gets delivered or you pick it up, uh, you get to spend another forty another minutes, 40 minutes, cooking, minutes so cooking it. Cool. Yeah, and in that, your oven that's not a pizza oven. That <laughs> on the dough that you know when you know when was it made? Like when? Like I such a what a great thing is like. Let's get into the pizza business, but not buy, have to buy any ovens. Uh, hilariously, the Papa Murphy's by my house burnt down recently. How? And every time uh, yeah, we pass by Well, the other place in the strip mall next to it burned down and of course took the, the real pizza mall. place well, with, well, the, actually, with the 700 degree well, pizza let, let me let me correct let me correct it burned down because the guy that owned the strip mall probably needed some money yeah. <laughs> yeah. if we're yeah. gonna be real about what actually yeah. happened but allegedly yeah. Yeah, allegedly <laughs> allegedly but every time we pass by it without fail me and Brim one of us will make some sort of comment about well it's nice to see Papa Murray's finally figured out how to do it you know, finally figured out how to cook some pizza yeah. you know <laughs> real 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 uh uh, drywall fired Napoli style pizza. <laughs> Literally. The biggest pizza grift in the world. Yep. Uh, okay, so it begins. Pagliacci Pizza, one of Seattle's most iconic restaurant chains. Recently that might be a stretch. I would say so. Recently <laughs> settled a multi-million dollar class action lawsuit. That's fucking iconic. That is mm-hmm. iconic. Filed back in 2017 on behalf of former and current delivery drivers. Hell yeah. The lead so cool. Yeah. The lead plaintiff, uh, former delivery driver Stephen Burnett, alleges that Pagliacci regularly violated Washington's labor laws by failing to properly disclose to customers where delivery fees were going, inadequately distributing tips failing to pay car-related expenses, failing to provide adequate rest and meal breaks, and making illegal deductions from Burnett's paycheck. Fucking disgusting. That's so disappointing because I'm like a real big Pagliacci fan, like well-known that I order the half Brooklyn Bridge, half rocket and anchovy pizza every day. Well, hilariously, this is an older story, and we were going to cover it on a previous episode, but we were too shamed by the fact that we literally had Pagliacci on the boat and we're eating it. Yeah. But, uh, look, <laughs> look, they make good pizza. So yeah, yeah. The good. pizza did not pay the wages. Mm. All right. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of funny because another Seattle, uh, iconic Seattle restaurant, Paseo, I think found itself in the exact same problem of not paying any of its workers. It's weird how almost every restaurant uh, mm-hmm. can only get by by like violating labor law and like not paying their workers. The system works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah like exactly. every restaurant is unprofitable and like you have to be a slime ball to get into that yep. business. Burnett delivered pizzas for Pagliacci from 2015 to 2017, but the allegations in the lawsuit cover all those employed as drivers from October 3rd, 2014 through January 26, 2021. So fucking tight. Nope. In order to settle the case, the chain will pay out $3.75 million to 1,012 members of the class action lawsuit. Which works out to about three thousand seven hundred per Tells person. Tells you something: the fact that they've got that Th- money that's to what pay. I'm about okay? to say, yo, like you know, they 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 must own some of that real estate there. Yeah, they have so think. many fucking. Yeah, what, what the hell? I mean, for a pizza restaurant to have the money to just like pay three point seven mil, um, it's kind of it, it's kind of funny to have that be like 
the local oligarch of yeah. well, not like Jeff Bezos, <laughs> but like just like a tyrannical pizza company. Well, look, they were, they've been fucking raking it in, yeah. fucking their employees. I mean, like, listen, go out, get a job somewhere. <laughs> like, in, in look, every every industry is doing this. Yeah, find a find a actually successful, thriving restaurant business that is like, you know expanding meaning they're making money you can't squeeze blood from a turnip right like mm-hmm. the, yeah. some of these places like you're just gonna put them out of business and it's fine do that you should still do it that'd like, be cool too go out get a job think of it as like salting yeah you know yeah. go out get a job that you know you're going to be actually illegally exploited at with document mm-hmm. do- and with like reams of documentation the way it is that they did you know where all of this is in a paper trail uh with a plan to do a class action suit there this, you go. this rocks yeah because any restaurant that is expanding especially in seattle guaranteed mm. well usually they're fucking you while they're expanding and then when they stop expanding they just fuck you harder yeah. essentially is yeah. what it comes down to and i will say you know i delivered pizzas for Domino's in like the mid aughts and every single thing Every accusation in this uh, was exactly my experience. And as I think of every pizza delivery it's like driver. industry you know, standard, right? Yep, yeah, it's not unique. It's not, is, not unique there, to there was some, There's some stuff this person alleges is like, they treated me bags, they did this. I was like, oh, that's actually kind of nice. Like, I wish I had that at Thomas. You are like, restaurant workers are treated like shit is what it comes down yeah, to. Your wages yeah. are stolen. You don't get breaks. I love this idea about breaks. If you work at a restaurant, you don't get breaks. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking you about? sit down. Yeah, it's why every restaurant smokes. It's because the only break you're allowed to have is if you smoke a cigarette out the back. Like, for the amount of time it takes you to smoke that cigarette. That's your break, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's hear more. Among the main allegations in the lawsuit was that Pagliacci regularly instituted automatic delivery charges, but did not distribute those funds to delivery drivers, nor did the restaurant disclose to customers. That is industry standard, by the way. Yeah, where the money was going as required by Washington law. Pagliacci's defense to this claim is that customers who ordered over the phone did not receive menus and rarely received receipts. And the restaurant maintains that customers were informed verbally that the delivery fee was not paid to drivers, either while placing their phone orders or by the drivers themselves. Okay, that's uh, never and by the way, that's, by never, way, happened. that's never, never happened once. Fucking yeah. bullshit, but also even ordered Pagliacci this week. They still didn't tell me that. Yep. Yeah. Like yep. they literally just said, okay, there's going to be a delivery fee. Boom. That's yep. it. They sometimes they, don't even mention you, the delivery fee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, course, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know that that was any, a thing. In all the years you've been ordering it, has any Pagliacci employee ever told you, by the way, the, this delivery charge we're charging you, it's not going to the delivery. <laughs> right. uh, you fucking kid. What a fucking bu- bullshit. Now, it makes me wonder, like, obviously, like, this was done very well. I mean... The documentation was there. They probably found some good lawyers. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this went, you know, to the court, like, and they did well. I wonder if, like, uh, Domino's and Little Caesars just get away with it because they have bigger muscle. They have more, they can hire more attorneys and, mm-hmm. like, drag this shit out and, it, and just squash yeah. it. Moloch protects them. Yeah, basically. I mean, is that is that why yeah. these guys, they're big enough to get money out of, but not big enough to defend themselves in court well, with this shit? I mean, it takes like such a unique like mix of ingredients, right? And in that you need an employee who 
uh, is actually doesn't accept that this is just how the industry works, which most people do because they've been in it long enough and they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get robbed. Uh, they would then have to believe they could do something about it. They would then have to have the time and the connections, yeah. most important connections, to do something about it. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it just – the deck is stacked so much against the employee. that To believe in the criminal punishment system. Too. Yeah, yeah. And like, it, you know, specifically, like – Corporate law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but, it, but it's really difficult. You got to wonder, like, if this was, um, if it was possible to go up against these big companies, you think there would be lawyers out there trying to make, trying to find these people and make, make these connections to take some of this settlement, you know? I, yeah. But I, maybe that, I just wonder if it's just different going up against these big national firms. Honestly, I, I would be curious if anybody actually knows they should let us know. This has to be like a one of a kind yeah. settlement. Yeah. As you know. But I will tell you when I was at Domino's, so we used to get paid, you get paid fifty cents per delivery from the store. That was for gasoline, car maintenance, all that shit, right? That's the pretend, like here's your little, you know, whatever for driving the IRS rate for uh like st- at standard rate for reimbursement for mileage. Even when you were driving mm-hmm. for Domino's, was over forty-five cents a mile. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely as more in than a mile. But. This is the ex- this is the standard accepted rate uh, that it costs to operate a vehicle in America per mile. In America, know? which means like you, again, IRS baselines mean it's like the bare bare oh, minimum. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. like usually like way way above that. Yeah, and. Um, you know, this will come up in the article, but obviously something that drivers can buy all the time is you would get that 50 cents whether you drove five blocks or whether you had to drive all the way across your fucking yeah. delivery area. Or the worst possible thing, when you somehow get an order out of delivery area and your manager insists that you fucking go deliver it. Um, but uh, so we were getting 50 cents per delivery. And then so I was there when they instituted the delivery fee. Right. So they then started charging a two dollar delivery fee. And A, they didn't tell fucking anybody that we weren't getting it. And of course, the delivery drivers at first went, cool, man. That means I guaranteed two bucks a fucking delivery. Some of us were really crazy. We're like, we're guaranteed 250 every delivery. (laughs) And we all learned real fucking quick. Oh, no, you're not getting a fucking penny of that delivery fee. What was the delivery fee for? I mean, at least uh, Pagliacci's, like, operates a phone service. We were answering all the fucking phones, the Domino's. Like, it's not like the labor situation changed anyway. Huh. It was just pure profit seized by the fucking, uh, by the... Yeah, uh, the price went up because they felt they could charge yeah. it. That's right. And what the happened... The market would bear it. it. had nothing to do with the labor side. Yeah, and what happened was the most extremely predictable thing on the planet, which is our tips just fell through the fucking floor because everybody was like, oh, well, you get you. I'm already giving you two dollars. Yeah. So they, it, was just, it was a scheme for stealing your tips. Yeah. So we just all fucking got robbed. And and I can tell you when you say like, well, why, you know, why? One, no lawyers came around to talk to us. Yeah. Uh, and two, like, you know, most people just fucking quit. Right. And when, when they quit, new people come in. And they don't know that that's just life, right? That's just life, right? And they're just they're just doing it, and you know, yeah, it fucking sucked. Like there was turmoil within the delivery driver community, but it didn't fucking matter, you know. Yeah. I wonder if the reason it worked here is because uh, Washington has some recent law that changed that made this possible. So yeah, that's gonna come up. 
There were other compensation issues noted in the lawsuit, notably that Pagliacci allegedly deducted credit card processing fees from delivery drivers' pay. <laughs> oh, can we, can we pause real fast? I think we might have passed that, but I'll just I'll just mention it. Don't don't worry, it's fine. Is that uh, according yeah, to Washington right. state law, you do have to tell the customer that the driver doesn't get the delivery fee. Wow. Uh, so they're still fucking violating. Either, I, they mentioned the thing. It's either Washington state law or, c- or city law, but <laughs> it's, it is after Washington the law. Ruling, yeah. It blows my mind after yeah. the ruling that they're still not. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. We did read that. I think. Actually. Oh yeah. Well, maybe but we passed yes. over, or not passed over. We mentally yeah. us listening. Yeah. To yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. It was Washington law. It yeah. mentions. Yeah. Um. So there are other compensation issues that they were passing on the credit card fee to delivery drivers. <laughs> that that is, is vapid. Yeah. yeah that's that's some real shit. It says if a customer paid through a card and wrote a tip on the receipt, then that fee would later be subtracted from the total tip. The suit also alleges that the pizza chain yeah, made deductions for purported customer complaints and didn't adequately compensate for car expenses. On the latter point, the suit claims the restaurant instituted a flat reimbursement for each delivery trip rather than taking into account distance traveled. Which it, is what you had just mentioned. From yeah, me. and about the customer complaint thing too. I mean, you can't have your wages deducted. I'm, you know, whatever your boss tells you, they yeah. they can't deduct your wages because customer complaint. They were getting docked pay. Yeah, because I mean that. Forget the customer complaint part. Like that's sort of irrelevant. Like you can't get docked pay for job performance. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Whether it's your management or a customer, mm-hmm. you can. In this country, you can just be fired. You can yeah. be fired at will. You have no labor protections. Yeah. But if they don't fire you and you're working, they have to pay you no matter how much yeah, you yeah. suck at your job. They're, yeah, that's, their recourse, that's on them that you're bad they're, at it. They're, exactly. Yeah. It, that, that, is, that is a basic, that is the lowest yeah. fucking possible bar for labor protection. Like, that is the... The, that is literally the bare minimum. I mean, yeah. that is the yeah. bare minimum. Yeah. If you work, you get paid for it. Uh, they can't like their recourse is very strong. I mean, all the powers in the hands, they can just fucking fire you, but they can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, another, well, this is just a really, this is just a criminal organization. Yeah. And I, that one's shocking. That one like doesn't surprise me that they got, this is the kind of thing that I want. Like, again, I'm trying to figure out like how they got dinged so hard for this in America and this specific Washington law that they were blatantly flaunting (laughs) to this uh, day. The, no, and this this is bad. That's bad. Saying having a policy showing in a paper trail mm. you're docking pay for performance. That's yeah. something you can't do in America uh, above board. You know, on paper on a yeah. real business. You know, if I mean if we're talking about like immigrant farm workers, you're exploiting. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But like that's the kind of thing maybe that a court is going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Now I have to throw the book at you, you dumb yeah. fuck, you know? <laughs> like you 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 have to fall you have to like at least go within the lines a little bit here and then we can like let you we can let you get away with murder, but like that's one yeah. you can't that's just absurd to have that down in paper. Well, I will say when I was in high school and I had a job doing dishes for a local resort, uh which I won't name. Western Hotel chain. <laughs> uh, they used to charge you. So if you ever, if people don't know, have never been like in an industrial di- like dishwashing area, like of like a big resort or whatever. Essentially, you have a giant fucking machine that washes dishes. And if you're on the like shit end of it, meaning you were just hired, you're on the back end of the machine. You take the dishes out as they come out of the machine and you put them in these racks, right? But they're like both hot and wet. 
when you oh, grab them. And so they're like sometimes slippery and you're like going really fast because the machine's got, it's like the I love uh, Lucy sketch, right? With the chocolates, <laughs> the cho- right? Like chocolate. Yeah, yeah. The shit just like keeps coming. And so you break points, right? Especially if you're a fucking 17 year old idiot, which I was. <laughs> and they used to charge you for every fucking plate. And oh my I went, God. And I quit what? the job because like I literally was like, I'm not, I was already only making 5.15 an hour. And it's like, I can't also buy all the plates. Going in guys. debt to the <laughs> yeah, lesson. Like a, you know, it was like literally like the joke of like a payday being like, <laughs> yeah. well, it looks like you owe us. <laughs> but uh you know I, I don't know to what degree that kind of stuff is still common it was certainly common at the time and again wildly illegal at the time but what all these places bank on it's kind of like the, what we talked about earlier with the sit lie laws and things like that and also it's like yeah it's illegal and eventually some judge will get around to telling them that they have yeah. to stop but in all the interim yeah and also like you know our show lawyer i think brought this up when we had her on at one point too like uh you're poor. You have no access to yeah, the legal system. Exactly. Yeah, right. F- they don't care that you they're fucking you. What are you going to do about it? Fucking nothing, because it costs money to, to engage in the legal system. In yeah, notice how all of, of these things are happening at, like, minimum wage and, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. <laughs> service jobs, like that, working jobs. You don't hear about these, like, in, like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> professional, like, white collar. <laughs> yeah, this is not happening yeah. in the upper echelons of Microsoft. Right, yeah, well, right. And that's, that's what I mean. Like, I think, like, there's all these things you can skirt and get away with because they're not going to come before a judge really ever. And I mm-hmm. think like that, that one though is, yeah. is one that they weren't, they weren't going to get through this. Oh yeah. But, yeah. If you like, can, if you can get psycho this, that it wasn't even like behind the table that they actually had a written policy of deducting, you know, well, or, or, or it, show the du- a reprimand, a written reprimand that says like a deduction. You know, right. Yeah, and if right. it shows it's in trail. your pay, this is where the money yeah. went. Like, you know, like, yeah, because a lot of times companies will get away with the shit because they just won't write it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just won't give you the fucking just, like, money. Stock an hour or something, like, yeah, you know, and say, wow, I thought I was going to get $8 and I have four. That's weird. Yeah. 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 I mean, they'll do like what Greg would say is they'll be like, oh, and so, writing that you worked eight to four i'm just gonna put eight to three on your yeah, time right, card because right. of you know whatever and it shows the the brashness of them the the audacity of this shows the fact that labor law is just not enforced in any real yeah. way in this country uh and that your only hope is to one have the legal knowledge and the connections to find a lawyer who's interested and all this kind of shit but yeah i mean once it's in the hands of a competent lawyer in front of a judge yeah yeah, you're gonna get some money i will point out that when this story sort of broke there were some people on twitter somebody posted that their friend who was part of this class actually got like 10 grand oh like it was like real fucking money they got i mean you know and so he said like that's not like an award that was all stolen money wow (laughs) basically that you just yeah because they were just working there for a while (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, 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 they've been there for years, you know, so, like, it it adds up. Right. So that paragraph ended by saying that the plaintiff estimated they did not receive any reimbursements for at least two canceled deliveries per month. Uh, Regarding breaks, Pagliacci allegedly required employees to select options for meal benefits that fell outside of Washington's labor laws, which require a 10-minute rest break for every four hours of work and 30-minute meal breaks for every five hours of work. The designed by Pagliacci meal deal offered employees free food if they took meal breaks during paid rest breaks just before or after a shift or on an unpaid break. If employees wanted to take a 30 minute meal break, they need to get in line, order and pay for the food and beverage like any other customer. That's in quotes. 
claims the lawsuit. Thus, it appears that the restaurant tried to incentivize employees to take fewer breaks in exchange for free food. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had to read that paragraph a couple of times, but the long and the short of it was, if you agree not to take any breaks, then you can have you get, you get a slice of pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. If yeah. you eat the food on your time. Yeah, and it, and it should be noted, I mean... It, it may Just be the a creativity yeah. of a fucking small business tyrant. They thought that out, right? Like yeah. they, they put time into that. You know? This is what they're for. This is what this is their function in society. This is all the good the small business people of America yeah. do. They innovate this shit. Fuck off. Well. Now, 13 million of the profit they've made off the exploitation of their workers has been taken away from them. And it really like goes to show that. We, you don't fucking need them. All they're there to do is innovate this fucking new mm-hmm. ways to exploit yeah. you and take a bunch of fucking money and live off it. Uh, when you, we just should get rid of them. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it, again, should be reiterated for anybody who's not, or is lucky enough to not have worked in food service, not getting breaks in food service is bog standard. That is not Pagliacci oh, yeah. yep. being an especially cruel tyrant. That is literally industry standard, which is not to excuse it, but to explain how awful the restaurant industry yeah. is. Yeah, cursed ass industry. Mm-hmm. Basically, all these people, it, the the um people who got this money are getting fucking like union meal penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, for having their meal breaks uh, skipped, which uh, like years after the fact that I mean, that is justice being done. Yeah, yeah it's a positive thing. So we're almost through this. Uh, it concludes Pagliacci co-owner Matt Galvin denies the majority of the allegations listed in the lawsuit, but admits for a six month period starting in 2016 that the restaurant didn't disclose where delivery services were going on receipts. Still are not disclosing it. <laughs> or yep. menus as required by state law. That disclosure issue, he says, has since been resolved. Nope. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> Galvin also claims that in all the annual surveys of employees and meetings over the years, rest and meal break issues have not come up. Huh. And notes that on average, drivers not, make... What? What is that supposed to fuck? <laughs> that, well, so yeah. again, what are you for? Yeah. What are you for? Are you t- are these meetings where the employees uh, set the terms of their employment and just m- and run the store? No, you tell them what to do. Yeah. You, but you're at you're. But he's like, well, listen. I mean, if the employees had a problem, they would have just done it some other way. They'd have just set another policy. Yeah. Uh, like, when, what are you for? Just fuck off. Just if, die. If my employees are mad that I'm stealing from them, how come they never come to tell me <laughs> during meetings? You know, like, I mean, you're, you're this guy's like blaming his employees for not like complaining about their exploitation yeah. when he's being fucking raked over the coals here for breaking the law. It's in yeah. the law, motherfucker. You can afford a lawyer no, to no. help you with this shit. It's, it's his employee's fault that wildly violated <laughs> labor law. Every oh, the fucking away. flimsy labor oh, law we have. Yeah. Like, Yeah, I mean, the worst protections in the entire industrial world is like, too much. Can't do it. <laughs> you know? Uh, so again, he said that those issues did not come up and noted on average that drivers make $33 per hour with benefits and lie, absolute lie, tend to stick around. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) 
if uh, working under capitalism is so bad, how come so many of you yeah. guys do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, really makes you think. Curious. <laughs> yeah. no one's ever Back into my well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's ever hated a job before. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if people hated their jobs? Mm-hmm. What a bizarre social yeah, phenomenon right. that would Wouldn't be. Wouldn't they just quit and just <laughs> find a job they like? It's never happened. <laughs> Galvin says he's confident the company is following the letter of the law on any wage or hour issues. Okay, that's specific. (laughs) (laughs) But not on the delivery fee issue. (laughs) (laughs) But settling the lawsuit was more cost effective than going to fix it. Oh, yeah. Thirteen some odd million dollars was more cost effective than than paying the lawyers for another round. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off, my dude. <laughs> a final settlement approval hearing is set for July 16th. Oh, man. I hope the settlement goes. I kind of want, uh, you think courts are going to be open and in session by then? Can I go and watch <laughs> yeah, it should. get like gaveled down? Like, yeah. You can <laughs> oh, try. God. I'm just going to stand in the rafters and say, hold out for more. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. He's weak. I can smell it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get another 10 million. Fucking just seize that place, man. The workers should just, mm-hmm. like you said, Greg, just kick him out. Like, what is he even? Like, yeah, well, I, yeah. What's what the it, purpose of him being? Hey, there? hey, that man <laughs> had the bold, brilliant idea to open a pizza place. <laughs> so he probably inherit a pizza place. Isn't yeah, it multi generational at this point? Probably. probably. Oh my god, it's a How fail, long? son. It's like a. It's like um. A it's like succession. How far back does? Pagliacci go. I, I all the way back to the Halcyon days of nineteen. Yeah, right. I don't know. Pretty much. I thought it might be nineties. Right the eighties. Like yeah. the boom of the eighties. But uh yeah, I mean the thing is again Is there that, like an original Pagliacci somewhere? I thought that was the one on the Av that closed. Oh really? Oh shit. They've closed a few locations mm-hmm. during the pandemic too. The Queen Anne locations yeah. closed and somewhere else oh, closed yeah, too. That's right. Damn. Seattle is yeah. done. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's worth noting just one more time, nothing that Pagliacci is accused of, of as many crimes here, is uh, that you, you could accuse any other fucking restaurant. Yeah, not unique to Pagliacci. city here. 100%. You know, even, uh, What's unique is that they're actually getting held accountable by like yeah, the yeah. U.S. courts. Yeah, so, that's yeah. the unique thing. Yeah, that, I do that's think what's changed. I, yeah, it seems like... You'd have to dig into it more, but it seems like there was, like, a, a willful brazenness on their part to just, like, really have, like, that, that they run a tight operation. Like, those mm-hmm. places, they have, you know, these, it's a chain. Like, they have, like, policies and everything's mm-hmm. computerized and everything's, there's a paper trail on multiple ends and they were doing this shady shit, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, who incredible. knows? Um... You know, I forgot, Brian, we didn't mention that the second episode of Jumbo Rising was made available on the public feed. Woo, woo. So yeah. Everyone list- shit listening out. to this already had that episode. Yeah, you should have already listened to it. Yeah. Um, uh, whatever. If you, haven't, you, haven't, yeah. if you haven't listened yet and you want to hear about the mystery of Box 13 or uh, LBJ's helicopter ride across Texas... <laughs> Uh, go ahead and listen to it. It's exciting. And there will be more LBJ shenanigans to come. We'd love to hear it. Brian and Justin will be spending the next four years working their way through. Literally. 
uh, the uh, life and career of Lyndon Baines Johnson and his uh, lifetimes and effect on America. We, uh, you know. It's taking you three hours to get to the 1948 Senate race, Brian. I will tell you, partially that's because it's funny, but, <laughs> but I will say we talked about Truman and during uh, that discussion, and I think on the show, I was like, wow, I didn't realize how everything that's evil about modern America basically <laughs> happens in the Truman administration. Yeah. Yeah. But the real thing about LBJ is that's also true about him yep. <laughs> and his administration, too. Uh, I don't want to single him out, although he is a remarkably awful human being. Uh, but truly one of the most evil administrations that's ever existed, only to be followed by the Nixon administration, which would be <laughs> as bad or worse. <laughs> Just a, a trend almost. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Nixon's looking better and better these days. Yeah. I mean, compared to uh, what we have now, almost as if there's been this <laughs> downward spiral yeah. that began almost with the like start of the Cold War. The end of the meth. Yes. Well. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's another teaser, but we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll. We'll, we'll, we'll expand later. Uh-huh. We've already said too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we're going to leave it there. So, yeah. Nighty night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye.